You're listening to the Spice Larder podcast, a monthly conversation featuring artisan producers, chefs, bakers, historians, spice experts, and more. I'm your host, Julia Roberts, and I'll be inviting guests to join me to discuss everything from gingerbread and port to food trends, spices, plus culinary and social history. You can subscribe to the Spice Larder podcast via our various media channels or via platforms such as Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. To sign up to receive our regular updates and alerts, go to our website, gingerandspicefest.co.uk. In episode 9 of the Spice Larder podcast, I interview Sarah Hopcroft, director of Image on Food, the last gingerbread bakery standing in the celebrated home of gingerbread, Market Drayton. We discuss how Sarah and her business partner have successfully grown a small rural bakery to an established artisan biscuit business which now employs just under 70 local gingerbread decorators and also manufactures the famous local Billington's gingerbread now under licence to Image on Food. We've previously done an interview about Billington's gingerbread and we really, really can't wait to talk to you about Billington's. However, I'd like to sort of go back a bit before we start talking about Billington's and talk really a bit about your journey and your career and your business, because I think it links really nicely to sort of where you are today, really. So it'd be great if you could just tell us a little bit about how you ended up having a business in Market Drayton, the home of gingerbread. Well, firstly, Julia, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, really nice to be talking to you and uh, telling you a little bit about my life story. And it's been quite a journey, actually. So how did we arrive in Market Drayton? Well, we saw a little advert for a bakery, four-bedroom house and a large garden in a Shropshire market town. On one Sunday, we came to have a look and thought, this might be okay to have a bakery and buy this business. And it took a year for that dream to come into reality. And in June, in fact, it's the 2nd of June, 1986, so it's next week, um, when we've been here then 34 years. Wow, where has that time gone? So Market Drayton was a very different little town 34 years ago. The shop still shut at one o'clock. The ladies shopped with their baskets. The supermarket shut at five. You know, we, we changed a few things. We, we opened at lunchtime. And that was really not really heard of. And we did quite a lot with the shop. It was uh, quite a financial commitment at the time. Well, it sounds like you basically went from sort of ground zero straight into it. And I'm presuming because of that, although that I expect that was very scary at the time, but I can imagine that it was quite a steep and great learning curve. Oh, it was character building. So we'd get up at two o'clock in the morning to bake the breads and do the morning goods, the donuts, ice buns, bake the pastries, the sausage rolls, um, and then spent the day making cakes. But we also made gingerbread men. So we'd always made gingerbread men. So we did that. And when you've got a two-year-old to occupy, we have to think of things to do. So Gemma had some um, stencils, and she was drawing me farm animals on a piece of paper and came to me one day and said, Mummy, can you do me instead of a gingerbread man? pig with a pink curly tail and that's how it all began so today she does all the marketing but she started quite young at two so off we went 
the following year to West Midland Show. And as well as taking our bread and confectionery lines, we took gingerbread pigs and we now did some cows and sheep. And our first lady that came to approach us was from Ironbridge and she was the buyer and said, could you do me some gingerbread, novelties, biscuits? And we had no way of packing them. They were all loose. And I'd like 700. 700. Wow, that's a huge order. Had to find some bags to put them in. And the only way to seal them was to tie them with ribbon. If you think nowadays we produce anything up to 80,000, 90,000 pieces a week to go from 700 that took three weeks, it's been quite a long journey. So that was how it all started and it also coincided with the town being promoted as the home of gingerbread and the business just grew from there. We developed a recipe and the range of gingerbread ideas grew from farm animals to zoo animals to seasonal lines and we sold them in shop and we started to get customers locally and then in 1988 we had a big break when BHS were going to do their first Christmas shop and we were approached to do two or three Christmas designs that were not Germanic. Um, they wanted an English gingerbread and nobody else at that time was doing anything like that. So we did um, three Christmas lines which were a great success and then that continued um, and we got busier and busier. We did a lot of work for Alton Towers. In fact, we got that busy. We had to build a little gingerbread bakery room at the back of our existing building in 1990 to cope with the growing demand. And then in 1996, we had the opportunity to sell our bakery in Shropshire Street. And we moved up to Rose Hill Industrial Estate on the A41. And for 10 years, we were there then working out of two, then three units and grew the business from employing 15 people to um, supplying distributors up and down the country, as well as tourist outlets, department stores, farm shops, and we exported to France and Italy. It's been quite an organic, <laughs> organic growth in a way, hasn't it? One thing yeah. I just wanted to touch on before we move on is... In terms of gingerbread and market dressing, I presume when you got to the town, there were other bakers already making gingerbread, yeah? Yeah, not that that was that popular at that time. Um, we heard of it. There was the local baker um, in Chesfordine, Mr. Hayward Hughes, who made the Biddington's gingerbread. But not actually in the town at that time was there any other gingerbread left. Not that I'm aware of anyway. So there was a bit of a gap in the market, as it as it were at the time and you sort of build that and I presume that you know they were obviously very popular and then Gemma's amazing inspiration with the animals came and it's sort of it's evolved organically from there hasn't it you moved to Rose Hill and presumably you got more orders because I know you've moved again since then yes in 2006 we then moved to our site where we are now which is on Burnside Business Park which is on the edge of town and we actually bought um, the unit. We had the opportunity again. You know, it was tough for a few years because we had invested heavily 
but we persevered, our business grew, and especially in the food service sector, supplying the coffee shops, because that then became a, a very, very big market. And so we spread our business out over supplying a very well-known upmarket supermarket chain, uh, through distributors up and down the country, farm shops, tourist outlets. So it's quite a mix of, of, of customers. And now we're employing just under 70 people. Well, that's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And also, um, I believe that you're the last bakers in Market Drayton to make gingerbread. So at one point, I know there were quite a few, but you are the last one standing. We are the last one standing. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, no, it is. It's been, it's been quite, I mean, obviously, gingerbread has been made in Market Drayton going back over 200 years. But we were slightly different. I mean, all the bakers then have their different recipes and develop their own brand, so to speak. But ours are all hand-decorated. And, you know, they're quality products. And it's nice to be in a rural area that has a history of making gingerbread. It, it, it works. It, it went together well. And our products range, we do a year-round range. We do seasonal. Halloween and Christmas is still our, our largest season. And 60% of what we sell is actually through our year-round brochure. And then the other 40% is bespoke to the customer's requirements. It's interesting, actually, just to touch on the seasonality with gingerbread, because when I spoke to Emily, the gingerbread maid, she said that, you know, there is a huge increase at Christmas time and gingerbread is really thought of as, as being a Christmas biscuit. So in terms of your business, how have you uh, managed to sort of persuade people to engage and buy gingerbread out of that sort of typically traditional season? Is it by creating characters? I presume you have to sort of work and do marketing. So how, how have you developed that sort of product line away from Christmas so you're not just stuck in one season? Well, I think we've always had a gingerbread man all year round. So I suppose ours was an extension from the gingerbread man. You went to a gingerbread animal or a gingerbread flower or a character. Um, our characters actually are our best sellers. I mean, over the years, we have done so many different products, thousands. I think, for example, even Father Christmas, we have about 25, 30 different um, designs that we have done in that time. But no, it's, it's good. and we, we can adapt it. I mean, Halloween is still my favourite season because it blends itself so well. Easter is always a little bit challenging because... You, you use more pastel colours, so usually our products are either sugar-pasted or iced with sort of pastel colours, so it'll give it the, the, Easter, the Easter impression, uh, and like the chicks and the rabbits. Valentine's also actually blends itself as you do hearts, and I think people do associate gingerbread and hearts as love tokens. There tends to be very much sort of trends with animals these days. There's been the llama which or the alpaca which I adore and just seems to be everywhere and everyone loves it so I know you've got a llama uh, but is this is sort of do you look at trends and sort of what's upcoming and what's forecast mm -hmm. yeah and sort of align with that 
Oh, yes. I mean, we'd all, our bestseller for years have been our black and white cow that we decorated. And then we did a unicorn, and the unicorn is 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 up there we can't make enough unicorns and they do look really really nice but yes you're right after the unicorn the llama has become um, another very very popular one. and the sloth the sloth my surprise and you've got those for sale right now haven't you i think on your website which we'll um we'll leave the address at the at the end of this so people can go and have a look but yeah, I mean, I think the characters are so, such fun. They're so colourful. They really stand up and on the shelf. And they're a beautiful gift to give to somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and they taste delicious as well. So all oh, in all. Thank you. And, and now, I mean, everything is not... We, we do finish products still with a ribbon finish to make it more of a gift. But it is... We have machinery now and the gingerbread is all um, sealed in, in bags with an eight-month shelf life. So you know we, we've moved with the times we've invested in equipment and you know we still love what we do after 34 years so it's quite it's good <laughs> it's fantastic and I think um that's a really nice uh, segue really about sort of bringing biscuits mass producing them as a way because that's mm -hmm. what's happened with Billington's now We've spoken with two previous bakers of Billington's gingerbread. We haven't actually uh -huh. spoken to the current baker, Mr. Hopcroft, yet. We hope to. But Sarah, it'd be really interesting to hear sort of your story with, with the biscuit because you guys got involved, well, you've obviously had relationships with the bakers in the past and you knew the biscuit. But in terms of your connection to working with it, that started in 2016, 2017? Um, 17 we were asked to see if we would be interested in making the Bennington's gingerbread unfortunately it hadn't been made for some time previous um, bakers had not actually made it in market rate for a number of years and it was being made in Yorkshire however then that had ceased and the owner of it approached us and said would we would we consider making this under license it was a challenge. Um, the equipment that has always been used for 200 years is very antiquated and there we just couldn't use it today. It just wasn't um, chap fingers in it. It, it. You just couldn't use that equipment. So our first big challenge really was trying to get it through our equipment and to also to be able to produce it more efficiently rather than all weighed by hand. And once we had got that done and got the recipe to what we believed was right we went back to using butter i don't even know the recipe i can tell you there's butter in it there's rum in it but it's a secret between the bakers what i'd be really interested to hear about is how you took the billington gingerbread biscuit from a handmade biscuit to now being manufactured but looking exactly the same as it did when it was handmade that is quite some feat well it wasn't me i can't take the praise for that that was tim worked on that one and we made sure the fingers had the ridges on and it was a bait it was getting down back to grassroots of getting the recipe and the baking and putting modern day technology all together and it's worked and it's in lovely packaging. Um, we took the old packaging and felt it was too busy 
so we stripped it back and it it looks a cleaner packaging and it does look lovely and it's very very well received we also do the two finger packs as well and uh, this is selling all over um you know we're building up popularity all our distributors take this now and so it goes from anywhere from the north of scotland down to cornwall and across to ireland so we 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 you know we've worked on that it's been a, a very nice it's been another challenge but it was a nice challenge to do with the history and uh, and of course you know it, it's it's got that sort of spiciness that secret and and i mean it is very very nice we spoke earlier about christmas which is very nice for christmas and of course delicious don't import now that's well, quite something farmers wives i believe used to dunk it in port on, on market day and but i mean it's very also very nice with rum or whiskey and, and, and what happens is it doesn't dissolve not like biscuits or even on a hot drink it does not dissolve it stays a, a nice firm biscuit with a nice bite to it so it's the perfect dunking biscuit because there's nothing. It more, is. Well, there's nothing more disappointing than dunking a biscuit in liquid and it just disintegrating. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this this biscuit stays in its form. It stays yeah. firm, firm, but becomes even more delicious, perhaps. And more delicious and very very nice. And it's also equally nice with ice cream. Lovely. Cheese. So it can be put on a cheese board. So uh, we've pleased, we were were delighted to be approached, it's working well and so you know we continue um, with other ideas of what we can do going forward but for now we do the packets and then we also do two finger packs which we want to then get into into hotels for the bedrooms or, or other food service outlets, cafes, tea shops. Well, you must feel very proud, Sarah, because from what you've said, it sounds like if you hadn't taken it on um, and developed this biscuit from handmade to now manufactured under license, it would never have you know, been made again, perhaps. And so you've given it a new lease of life. You've carried it on and it's, you know, it's this little bit of history that's continuing from Market Drayton. So that's something you guys must feel very proud about. Yes, we are. And ironically, when we took it back on, it was just 200 years old. Oh, how lovely. Because it was first, uh, as we understand, was first made in 1817. So 2017 relaunched 200 years later. That's fantastic. And it would be really wonderful if we could speak with um, the current baker, Mr. Hopcroft, at some point, because I know he's not going to tell us his secret recipe, which would be a shame, but I know he won't. But it would be great. No, he won't. (laughs) I know. Apparently the recipe used to be locked in the bank vaults. So I believe. I believe. I think there was gingerbread wars years ago. (laughs) And so now the biscuit's for sale all over the country and in Ireland as well. And also, uh, let's not forget, it is for sale in Market Drayton too. 
Where can one buy it in Market Drayton when, when the shops are um, open? When the shops are open, you can buy it at the farm shops and then the farm deli in town. And you can also buy it online on your website and um, we can give yeah. the address. What is your Billington's website address, Sarah? The Billington's website is address is www.billingtonsgingerbread.co.uk and so listeners can go onto the website have a little look at the history and also buy the famous Shropshire's Dunking Delight and also we were talking about your other business well that's the same business but the other products earlier and you have a range of beautiful uh, animals and flowers and all sorts of different bespoke biscuits where can people go and have a look and buy those Sarah well that's on our website which is www.originalbiscuitbakers.co.uk so we have two brands with it under the company umbrella and the, one is the Billingtons and then the other is we are the original biscuit bakers so again the website www.originalbiscuitbakers.co.uk happy shopping Thank you. And that, that's wonderful, Sarah. It's been so fascinating hearing about the gingerbread travels and journeys. And we'd love to, for you to come on again um, in the future. And, you know, thank you very much for being such a wonderful gingery guest. And thank you for inviting me. It's been fun. Thank you very much. It was great to catch up with Sarah and to hear all about her successful local business, including the locally celebrated gingerbread biscuit Billington's. You can find out much more about The Biscuit by visiting their website or by attending the virtual Ginger and Spice Festival upcoming this September. You've been listening to The Spice Larder, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Ginger and Spice Festival. Thanks to everyone who took part in and helped produce this podcast. And if you don't know who we are, go to the About Us page via the website gingerandspicefest.co.uk. So you don't miss a show, subscribe to our podcast today. And if you like what you've heard, consider giving us a review via Apple or Google Podcasts as this really helps others find us. We regularly post news, features, recipes and competitions via our monthly e-bulletin. Sign up now by visiting our website homepage or emailing us at gingerandspicefest at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in to next month's edition of the Spice Larder podcast. And until then, happy spicing.